2: This is the besotted Pride of West London playoff final podcast. And I'm sitting here with a relieved look on my face, a big smile on my face. As Brentford get to Wembley, we're all going to Wembley. Well we're not quite all going to Wembley because there's no fans gonna be there, but we'll be there in spirit. As Brentford take on Fulham, our West London rivals at Wembley on Tuesday night in the championship playoff final. That's the game they call the richest game in the world. Whoever wins that is going to get what 100 million, 150 million. And if they fluff it after that, they still get parachute payments, which we still quite can't understand why that happens. But anyway, I'm Billy Grant here and I'm in the virtual joint with my chums who are all smiling. They're all happy after a little bit of nerves after the first League. It all turned out right in the end as we beat Swansea 3-1. I've got Laney in the house. How are you doing, Laney?
4: Yeah, I'm really good, Bill. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm a little bit kind of numb. I'm if I'm honest with you. I didn't think we were going to get through to the final after the, uh, you know, the 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 three defeats. I mean, not that I didn't think we were good enough. I I did not that I didn't believe. It was just I thought that, you know, I thought we we hit the buffers, and uh, I was just. Oh, well, the performance the team put out in the first half, especially, um, and then the second half, the beginning of the second half, and then obviously, th- was you know dug deep and, and got and, and held out. It was just incredible. So um, well, well done to the team. Well done to the management. Well done to everyone that's uh, achieved what we've achieved so far. One more big push to go. So yeah, I'm a bit, I'm a bit kind of like yeah, I would say phased by it. I'm not, I'm not kind of like living it every second i'm not the nerves haven't cut in yet but uh to be honest it was
2: a game i didn't think we were gonna get to so i'm just relieved i think relief is there with the lady man also lord lou can is in the house lou how are you doing
0: hello hello yes yeah yeah believe it was it was Begrieve earlier in the week now it's believe yeah yeah i'm i'm, I'm happy i'm um w- i watched the um this the other game second leg um, and yeah, and I, you know, I've I've turned the corner after a couple of you know punches to the gut. Well, from you know three in a row, really. You know, we are yeah, we're looking good. I'm feeling good, apart from the wallet and the liver. Quite looking forward to a bit of a break. Um, yeah, I think you know the world's longest season will eventually end. Fulham versus Brentford was the was the first game to be called off in the UK or in England, and it's going to be the last game played. Ah, turn, 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 turn. On a full yeah, moon. right. For, <laughs> for the superstitious or the werewolves amongst us. That's right. <laughs> so.
2: So, <laughs> werewolves, werewolves circling around Wembley Stadium on Tuesday night, according to Lord Lucan. Will they be in our favour or will they be in the White's
1: favour? Yeah. We'll find out later. And yeah. the how you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's, um, yeah, feeling so much better than I had been for a couple of weeks. You sort of wonder if it's lockdown that's getting you down and all of that stuff, and you feel a bit, felt a bit miserable and stuff. And um, it turned out it was just football um that was getting me down you know it's um it, yeah i feel i feel good now and yeah i just thought we were absolutely brilliant on wednesday we were i mean the are i mean
2: you're talking about that you sort of said you know is it the lockdown that's getting us down but also if you listen you think about it part of this problem is right it's almost like if you keep getting fed sugar right if you're a kid and you keep getting fed sugar it's more and more sugar the whole time eventually when you stop getting fed the sugar you're going to come down from that sugar rush you know and it's like us we've been fed sugar for the like the last six or seven or eight weeks or five or weeks because it's a compacted season so we had t- fed sugar twice a week every single week and we were like properly buzzing from that and the danger from that is at some stage you're going to come down and if anything which sugar was taken away from us at the right time and then it was popped back in our mouth right at the right time again wasn't it
1: yeah absolutely. I mean, it feels like you know you, you, you talk about momentum and stuff and that, and it felt like Dave said it felt like we had no momentum. I wasn't being negative, but I was really struggling to see even in my head how I was go- how we were going to win on um you, you know Wednesday was it Wednesday um, not, not because I didn't believe in the team, I know they're a brilliant team, I know they're the best you know the best team left in the in the competition, so to speak. um I knew all of that. But it just felt like it was going to be a real hard slog. But do you know what? It wasn't even a hard slog. They just turned the corner. They came out flying. They possibly played a team that, you know, maybe played into our hands a little bit. But let's remember that it was a team that just a few days ago had probably, you know, given us, I wouldn't say a lesson at Swansea, but had, but had looked a, a team that, that could easily have got through to the final. But nevertheless, you know, we, we turned it around. And it was it was one of the great turnarounds, really. Well, we're going to talk about the Swansea match and
2: in, in a little bit, and, and just about that whole game. But just just talking about that match as well, and, and it's not a case of being right or wrong or anything like that. But I just had a feeling that we were going to get a result, and the reason why, and I said it beforehand, was because we had a player sent off. I felt that that was the worst thing for Swansea, getting a player sent off, and then with it getting rescinded, it was even worse for Swansea that we had got that player sent off. And I did quite a few radio interviews before, and I said that I was really confident that we'd get a result, only because you could feel it brewing inside it and it seemed like nothing had been going for Brentford in the previous three matches, you know, if we had kind of got a little shot low. Watkins shot had gone in we would, you know we'd been promoted all these things that hadn't happened for us and i think that that was the one thing that they just felt was going to galvanize that team and also when i heard that apparently Pontus had some sort of kind of whatsapp or some sort of meeting with the players afterwards saying right we need to get together and do this i was thinking listen this is feeling really really quite good and we can go in there and also the little thing that we did here at beside as well um, you probably heard the little note that went out you know after that game um I did a bit of filming. Laney was down there as well. doing at Griffin Park, which we're very honest to do with Sky TV for the little clip that was on before the match um, on Wednesday night, which was a, a nice little piece on, the, on, on a reflection on Griffin Park and the history of Griffin Park. So I was involved in putting that together as well. Then, As I was standing there looking at the ground, I was thinking, this is, this is so gutting that the fans... Unable to be there on Wednesday night to give them that last push because if fans are in there, I really did feel that we'd be able to push them over the line, and it was such a gutter. So when I was there, I asked a couple of fans to actually just do a little bit of a kind of come on Brentford and a little bit of good luck, Brentford, um, little, you know, little video. And then we asked some of our crew, some of our friends, a load of Brentford fans to do the same thing. And I went home that night and I literally spent the whole night up, video being put a little video together and put all this stuff in about previous promotions and Alan Judge penalties and you know being at Wembley, just threw it all inside there and uh, managed to very luckily get it over to the team. And they actually sent it over to the team and the players before the match. And the players all saw it before the match. Thomas Frank saw it before the match, and I think they used it as a, from what I can gather, as a bit of a g up in the in the team talk. So I think the positive thing we have here is that you know we're very proud of presotted, Not saying what we've done, we've been able to enable the fans to actually have at least a little bit of input into you know Brentford uh, on Wednesday night. They'd be able to have their say beforehand. It's great that the fans are able to have their say, and the players knew that the fans were 100 percent
1: behind them. The lads. I felt. Do you know what? After doing that and contributing to that, I actually felt better myself about it. I did feel that you know, if we can get this message through to them, um, maybe that can make a difference. And it was maybe at, you know doing that that I started to feel like you know maybe I'm feeling a bit better about this. Before that, I was I was quite down. But when I when I thought about it and what I said in it is what I meant, you know. And Tom, and Thomas Frank
4: Thomas Frank mentioned it after the game, Bill, didn't he? So
2: it obviously did make a difference. Yeah, and and that's. I mean, I obviously didn't know about that because I was down at the, you know, I was down at Griffin Park after the game, and I've got actually. I think Laney you gave us a ball a call and said that he'd actually mentioned it in his post match press conference, which actually really surprised me, but actually was also really quite pleased about it. So it shows that it had a had a bit of an impact but you know it was it was the thing about it is is, is a lot of the words that a lot of the fans had said in there like you know Alard you're talking about it and but you said a few things on your little piece there you know you talked about some key moments in the over the season like you know beating Millwall beating Sheffield Wednesday then the eight matches that we won which was uh which which was instrumental and I just thought actually these are really important points and you put them in there show a bit of the footage of, of Brentford winning and all of a sudden it actually makes a real difference so yeah I mean like I said to you I think that you know all the fans that contribute in, and obviously all the fans out there that didn't get a chance to do that but they had the same feelings I think they've done really well in just emanating the just the want for us to win and I think that is what it's all about it's like there's there's a massive want for Brentford to win against Swansea and also against Fulham and I think that's just been shown. It, it was really difficult, wasn't it?
4: Because, you know, um, you know, we can put the vibe out and we can play on Twitter and we can say all over the place that we're behind the team. You know, and we're, we, you know we're, we're feeling the pressure and we're feeling the enjoyment and we're, and we're kind of like supporting them every, every step of the way. You can, you can say that, but there's no, like, no more tangible way of kind of like gauging it. Um, and, you know, you're right, Bill, to say that, you know, it would have been incredible to have been um, physically at the ground on Wednesday night with a packed stand with, every, with all the Brentford fans in there because, you know, that, that was an event. It was, an, it was a night. It was a moment in time to say goodbye to Griffin Park that deserved to be shared. And, you know, I know that you said that, you know, you, you, you were around the ground afterwards and there was a lot of fans there and you're going to talk about that in a bit. But most fans did stay away, and they, and they weren't anywhere near Brentford. So you know they couldn't even share in that. So uh, you know it, it's, it's been difficult for a lot of supporters. You know a lot of people, read, um, you know, reading the articles on the on the website, and a lot of people that listen to the podcast every week. You know, you're, I know you. You're struggling. You're exactly like us. You know, it, it, it's very difficult to kind of like put into words, or to put, you know, to put into any kind of kind of. Uh, you know, whether it's written or whether it's vocal, the, the feelings and the love, the love that you have for the ground and the support you've got for the
1: club at the moment. So, getting through to the final, it makes it even worse. I, I, I think you do, I think there was an element of feeling a bit um, helpless about it. You know, you, you felt like if you were at the ground, you were going to be able to be there and you were going to be that sort of 12th man or whatever. And there are times during the season where I felt it's better to be playing behind closed doors, but certainly on Wednesday, I felt we needed a Pat Griffin part there behind them. Um, so yeah, I, and, I, and I think when I think back about it, you do feel a bit helpless. You feel like I can't do anything about this. Like you've just got to trust them to go out there and do it. And hopefully that video just, you know, in a small way, you know, gave them, gave the player something.
0: Well, look, if you if you look at the the axis, so you have got Thomas Frank talking of, talking about that. You you've got Matthew Benham and his family having the last kick about maybe Benham scoring the last goal in front of Ealing Road at the end. And then in the Globe, you've got Sam Saunders, you know, part of the coaching staff up on the table starting the song with his mate in some bizarre romper suit. The video's online. I I think it was an impromptu summer autumn launch of his of his um, bikini brand or whatever he's got. You know, but you you think you think, you know, it could it could have been really dour and sour. And like you said, you could could have have made us feel like it was a sort of nothing nothing victory, but actually kind of made the best of it. It was all good spirits around the ground as well. We, you know, we did we get, get commended by the old bill. The first time in a century, you know, probably, probably since we've moved into Griffin Park. Um, you yeah, know, so it's all sensibly done. It was joyously done and we, we, we made the best of a really tough situation. We're going to talk more about the Swansea game and we're going to talk a bit more about the
2: celebrations and the sort of kind of farewell to Griffin Park as it is after this break. <laughs> So Brentford came into this match, the second leg, 1-0 down, as everybody or most people that are listening to this know, we were a little bit aggrieved because we went 1-0 down after Rico Henry was sent off for a foul, which was not a foul. We were, as a result of that, pretty much directly, we actually went 1-0 down. Ayu, who scored the goal, wasn't tracked like he should have been, and uh, they scored a goal. So we went in 1-0 down, we felt aggrieved, we thought, hmm, this could be a little bit difficult for us. Um, especially Swansea looked like they were a, a tough side. But the thing is that the red card was rescinded. Thomas Frank came out with a press conference, which I just thought was absolutely brilliant. And it upsets so many Swansea fans as well. He just basically says, we are going to win this match. He said the red card is going to be rescinded. Rico Henry's definitely going to play we're definitely going to win this game if we don't win it after 90 minutes then we win it after extra time if we don't win it after extra time then we win it after penalties but we're going to win and he said it with so much confidence, and it really wound up a lot of the Swansea fans saying that he's arrogant and he's this and that and the other but I just thought I actually really like that because you emanating that kind of vibe goes into the fans and goes into the players and when they came out from that game they really felt like that they were going to win that game weren't they Laney?
4: Yeah, I, mean, I don't. Know. I don't really know how you can get upset by anything Thomas Frank does, apart from one or two little things. I'm sure we're going to mention, like him pushing the ball away and stuff like that. But, but him, him, him actually coming out and being positive and confident about his own team, and uh, you know, um, and being sort of having the, the sort of wherewithal to express his confidence and how how his club's going to turn around first leg deficit him being confident that they were going to rescind the red card. um, I think a lot of people kind of went, oh, I think think people have become used to sort of dour managers not saying a lot. So if someone actually gives you a straight answer, and that's what he does, he he really does give straight answers. Um, And and they're they're not like bullshit answers either. They're not even confrontational. They're just kind of like what he thinks. Um, so, I'd, if any anyone's got the arse with Tom Frank, I think they need to take a sort of chill pill because he's a he's a he's you know he's clearly a nice bloke and uh, he's a he's a lot there's a lot of dickheads in this game and he's certainly not one of them.
1: I, I think the other thing that's interesting is is that also by doing that he he kind of he laid his neck on the line. So if if it hadn't come off on Wednesday, people would have laughed at him, etc. Um, but, but, the, but the most important thing is, is that's what people were talking about after the game. I think we can all say that we weren't brilliant at Swansea. We played okay, but we weren't brilliant. But that, but that doesn't become a talking point because everyone's talking about Thomas Frank, saying we're going to smash him on, on Wednesday. But he didn't say smash, did he? No, he didn't. So, I mean, that, you know, but so that's,
4: that's the thing. You know, it's like yeah. people interpret it, they listen to it and they go, oh, he's, isn't he cocky? Isn't he arrogant? Well, no, listen, actually listen to him. No, he's neither of those things
0: professional manager in promising win shocker i mean there, there has been a bit of a philosophical change because i remember you know this at the start of kind of the benham era, era the, the the approach was yeah oh uh, was it under promise and over deliver you yeah, know but that was that was when we were kind of coming out of league two so this is a portion portion it's very different you, you there are ex-premier league teams who are saying who is who's this who's this you know brentwoods bradford's reserves or whatever, you know wickham first team who, who's these guys now saying on national telly that they're definitely going to beat us uh, i think you almost can't come back i mean i don't know what would have happened if we didn't go go through but i'm so you know i'm, I'm glad we did and i think it works i think when when you when you get a leader in the squad who nails their colors to the mast so clearly you know then you know and someone who's been maybe maybe as well like he's you know frank's not all in the players out each week you know he's kind of he he's he's the coach and he's the uncle and he's the dad and he's the big brother who takes him takes him by the hand suddenly he's saying no you're doing this and that yeah you know, and they realize the seriousness of the situation
2: think about it as well if he says to us or if he says to the media we're going to win we're going to go through we're going to win in extra time we're going to win in normal time if you don't win the press conference afterwards he says okay fair enough the better team won Swansea, and that's it. You never hear from him again. We've only got one chance at this. So for him, he's got to put all this psychological in there to make sure that he puts it out there that we're going to be in the right frame of mind. If it doesn't happen, it's going to last, what, a couple of hours and then done because they're going to be concentrating on the two finalists. Does anybody remember what Cooper said after the match? You know, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't that gracious before the first match, after the first match, when Henry got sent off saying it was a disgraceful tackle. Yeah. You know, the referee did the right thing. You know, he didn't come out afterwards and say, oh, well, the referee got it wrong there. OK, fair fair enough. And even after we beat them, he wasn't I don't think he was gracious in saying Brentford overall with a better side, fair play. You know, they had us in this game. Not at all. Uh, but I don't I'm saying this. I don't think so. Uh, Cooper, I can't remember what he said. Because all they're concentrating on now are the two finalists, us and Fulham.
0: I mean, he, he blamed he blamed the, the start, of the second half. That's what he did. He said he said he couldn't give. He begrudgingly said you can't give teams like Brentford as many chances. And he said he said we won it essentially. We we won that game in the in the first ten minutes of the first half, and the first minute of the second half. And maybe we we you know we won we we won so many games with that early goal, that first sucker punch, and that really sort of puts people off kilter. Equally, you know, people are saying that's our Achilles' Hill, where we don't score for a while, and then suddenly we get nervy going into a second half at nil-nil.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think he was very gracious at all. Um, he, he, yeah, of course you're going to be hurting. I mean, like, let's let's be let's let's be sort of gracious as well ourselves. You know, let's let's understand. You know, sometimes you just been knocked out of the playoffs. You, you he, he's obviously he's obviously pig pig sick. You know, so he's he's not going to be necessarily, He'd be in a bit of a crap mood. So you're probably not going to get him at his best moment. He's got he's got to stay something. He's got you know whatever. So I but I have to say you know you're right, Bill. That he should have he should have been a bit more sort of like magnanimous in the fact that he got it wrong over the sending off. Um, that that was a nil-nil game, I think, um, down at the Liberty. Um, and you know, but I think it probably in the end worked in our favour. It was only a one-nil deficit. It wasn't too we would rub that out within sort of within the first drinks break stint um, and then the, the third goal um, was was you know it, it was theoretically over typically you know we you know we give a goal away with Pontus sort of you know doing whatever he did with his little backslick that didn't obviously uh, work um, and it made it very edgy for the for the last 10, 10 or 12 minutes where you know, I, I thought we could you know give it away if we weren't quite as good as we were but uh, you know to, to be to be you know to be honest I didn't think after that third goal went in there was any other result
2: apart from us getting through to the final just coming back to the magnanimous thing look at Thomas Frank after we lost to Stoke and after we lost to Barnsley these are games that we really wanted to win and he's down in the dumps then he gave credit to Leeds United said that you know they were the best team in the league you know he gives credit to the opposition team so listen there's a way about going about it even if you're gutted so what I'm trying to say to you is just trying to get that balance but it's just coming back to this match quickly you know um, you know we created a, a large number of chances relative to the amount of possession that we had. Um, we had created a lot of opportunities from the flanks as well. We we're very strong at finishing. Swansea they stole the ball from us quite a lot actually, which is a little bit worrying. And they uh, they created a lot of opportunities with through balls. They were quite good at that, and also from long shots is what they what you know is what they what, what they were good at. But we. At the end of the day, we created, we craft, crafted out much better opportunities. We had, you know, probably five, six, seven, eight opportunities in the box from the XG. We were 1.57 to their 0.65. The biggest chance for us was a boomer. His goal on 46 minutes, 56% chance of the probability of that going in the back of the net. So 56 out of 100 shots like that go in the back of the net, which is quite a big chance there. Connor Gallagher was the biggest chance for Swansea. 18 minutes that's 38% chance on that so I don't even know what the Pontus Jansen uh opportunity gave them but that's less than 38 that's probably I don't know it's probably five or eight percent you know it's a good goal there to be fair by Rian Brewster but in effect we dominated that whole game and, and as you said there Laney as you said the LR you know Lou we got they came back into the game only from a fluff from Pontus and uh he was quite apologetic about his fluff because, if you notice, he did a little one of them tricks earlier on where he did a little sort of backflip trick thing and it all came off and he looked all good when he did it then and he tried to do a similar type thing with the ball with Ryan Brewster sort of kind of coming down on him and I just don't know why he did that because it just it just made it so edgy, didn't it? I, th- I think it
4: looked worse than it actually was. I know it, co- it actually cost us a goal, so it was quite bad. but. I think he was expecting the ball to come either side of him and the ball kind of came behind him and it was looked like it was gonna kind of like hit him in the back and so instead of the ball sort of hitting him and dropping dead he wanted to kind of get some sort of connection on it while he was running i mean it did it did look it looked like you know a a piss me that mother brown you know but um you know it it looked comical uh, which you know which doesn't you know which doesn't help and it adds insult to injury when the goal, you know, as you said, was a good one. But, um, you know, I'm not sure what else he could have done necessarily with his back to goal. If he was facing the other way, he wouldn't have done it. I just think he's kind of like thinking of five or six different things and the ball's actually not come where he's, he's kind of expected it. He's tried to kind of re- readjust. And the only thing he can really think about doing with his balance is to kind of flick his, flick his leg up like a scorpion so
2: yeah it did look ridiculous but thinking about it i'm not sure what else he could have done okay so i mean so pontus uh, you know gave us a bit of a nerve jangling into it but at the end of the day we still got to remember that he's uh, him coming into the side has still made us much more defensively solid and i think that he's also kind of contributed to a lot of positives within our game and at the end of the day even though uh, they got that one goal back i don't think the uh, and looking back at it and i think even if you look back i mean myself and my daughter what we did is that we kind of uh, you know obviously with, pub, you know, and then we went to the ground afterwards and afterwards we went and watched all the highlights. And when you watch the highlights, you realise that the game was actually never, it was never in doubt. You, you just looked at those highlights, you thought, actually, you know, I don't know what we were so worried about. But interestingly, just talking about the sort of groups here because as we're talking about, there's many different people from all over the country. Because you're not able to go to Griffin Park for the last game at Griffin Park, which was very sad. You were watching it in your own different environments. I'd gone down the globe with all the other people that down there been sold out for weeks and weeks and on end now, so it was quite hard to get in there, but it was a great atmosphere. As you were saying, Sam Saunders was down there sort of starting songs and all sorts of malarkey, you know. So I was down there with Lord Lucan and there's a whole load of crew as well. Laney was in his little Ash Vegas zone as well, which he has been since the beginning of lockdown. So they've had their own experience as well, where they've experienced it as a, as a little hub the same hub watching the game week in and week out, just like a number of people around the country have been as well. And I'm just wondering, sort of kind of sharing our experiences of that final day. I mean, for us, you know, there was a, initially, it was obviously plenty of singing very early on because we scored two very early goals. So there was lots of drinking, there was lots of singing, there was lots of kind of jubilation. And also there's lots of relaxation because obviously there is a fear that you may have when you go into a game 1-0 down, on, a, on an aggregate score that you know if you don't score early you could be out of it. So there was a lot of relief early on. So there was a very, very good atmosphere in the pub, you know, in the early days and even when you went to three 0 but then when they scored that goal, Swansea, there was oh, there was proper pacing going on. People were really, really, really nervous. I'm wondering in your Ash Vegas zone, lady, what was what's going down? Yeah, similar,
4: I guess. Yeah, you're right. You know, obviously it was a bit 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 nervy, obviously, before the game. Um, but we did get off to such a dream start, and it could have been it could have been more. You know, Ben Rama shot sort of candles off the inside of the post. Could have nestled in the far corner. We did we did have other we did have other opportunities. I've got to say, you know, Ben Rama is, is finishing of late. He's, he I think he's playing brilliantly still, but his finishing's pretty poor. But um, like since he scored his hat trick and since he scored that world here at Derby. He seems to be wanting to sort of find the top bins all the time or, uh, you know, wanting to sort of like take the, back, take the roof of the net off. Sometimes I think he, he could just roll them into the bottom corner. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I do think he's shooting too, too hard sometimes. But, you know, he's a, he's a flawed genius and I'll, I'll take that all day long because he gets enough chances in most games to score at least one. And we saw that he was able to set up, you know, that brilliant cross for, for Marcondes for that, for the header for, for the second goal. Um, and he, he, he caused trouble all afternoon um, and, you know, he, he's, he is class act. So, yeah, so the, after going two up, of course we relaxed a little bit. Um, and then we, you know, we, we had a really good night and it's it's, it's been, it's been sort of uh, brilliant just to see that be reignited because You know, a couple of the games of late, we've kind of like slunk off with our tails between our legs, thinking, as the bubble burst. The bubble got bigger again, and it's going to get even
2: bigger again for Tuesday night. Before the match, uh, the police come round. Normally before the match, each match, the police have always come round to do their checks, to do their sort of COVID checks, to make sure that all the bars and the pubs are keeping within the, the coronavirus rules. And we sort of had a bit of a laugh with them, like, you know, sort of kind of sort of socially distance ourselves by having one person on each table in the pub, which meant there's like eight people in the pub. So you have to be there. It's quite a bad joke, actually. But also we sort of said to them, look, you know, if Brentford win after the game, what's the score i mean we know that there's a dispersion order in place does that mean that we can't go down there and the police said to be fair listen we know that people would want to go down there as long as you're sensible you can go down there you can have a little peep as soon as if it starts getting out of hand we don't want to step in but if it starts getting out of hand with people throwing bottles people throwing flares just being really silly then we might have to sort of take you know we might have to step in so that for us was giving us a bit of a thumbs up that if things did go right then, uh, then stepping down to Griffin Park would happen. And after the game happened, um, after the game was over, the final whistle came. Big celebrations, few drinks were had. Then everyone just left the pub, and they went down to Griffin Park. And it was a, it's quite a surreal experience because what you had is that you had a number of fans outside Griffin Park, but it wasn't loads. It was probably about sort of two or maybe three hundred at the most. Some of them were outside the away entrance because that's where the players were when to be coming out. Um, my daughter was there, Bella with her little f- uh, friend Olivia. They're getting really excited. You can see for them it's just a big moment because they could see sort of players coming out and they were running after them. They saw Ben Rama came and drove through his car, drove through the crowd past us as everyone, everyone sort of patting his car and singing on him as well. So that was sort of quite good. So you had the away entrance, then people heard that they were sneaking the players out through the, uh, the Braemar road. So we went around to the Braemar road entrance, The Swansea coach was there. Everyone was sort of standing outside the Swansea coach. The Swansea coach went off. Everyone sort of waved goodbye to that. Some guy actually lit a red flare. He didn't throw it. He just lit it. And it actually gave this red hue in the floodlights of Griffin Park. And just, you know, people were just waiting for kind of people to come out. They didn't do. And I don't know, people were just kind of just there. They just wanted to be there. There was... There was things going on but there wasn't anything going on and it was just a sort of quite a poignant moment i mean lou i mean you were there as well you take you took your final photographs and everything like that and and it was it was quite nice but also quite strange to be there wasn't it
0: yeah i mean it was lovely sort of cathartic in a way before the game i'd gone round the ground and with a with a pint of pride and sort of had a drink and sort of on all four corners because i mean only only what two of the pubs were open on the corners anyway or well one one officially officer um and um you know and, and i even bumped into the swansea subs it was that quiet who had got themselves lost and were in new road thinking it was braemar road and thought, thinking our ground was even smaller than they thought it was it was lovely like you said, i, I love the flares no pyro no party you know it was, it was so like even the, the police you know the police out and say, we were absolutely fine people would sort of keeping the distance as well as they can you know we waved off swansea Heartily, which was lovely. We all got to do that final walk, almost like it was a match day, you know, where you think finish your pint and get, you get it. So there was something really cathartic to it. I, you know, I bumped into about four or five people I hadn't seen for years, you know, and, and I do know there was a couple of people who seemed to seemed to go to Chelsea quite a lot suddenly turning up at Brentford. Um, so I think there was probably a bandwagon parked up on the Elyon Road somewhere. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, I thought it was lovely. I thought even the fact that the, the, the last person who scored at Griffin Park, the pub with four callers, his surname's Brewster. You know, it's kind of like, it's just <laughs> it, it's just a, lo- a lovely sort of what they call symbiotic kind of, kind of happening. And like you said, it was all in all in like, and everyone just kind of had their moment, half an hour, and they were all like, right, try and get back to the pubs for last orders. Uh, almost Jeez. like it was a normal Wednesday game that had gone to penalties or something like that.
4: It's a shame to have missed out on it. I know. I mean, I, I you know, I think a lot of Brentford fans that are listening to this would have would have given their eye teeth to, to have been to have been at, you know in and around the stadium. Um, so yeah, I feel I feel like I missed out a little bit on a little bit of a celebration there. but That's the way it is. I'm afraid at the moment.
1: It was a decent red wine though, Dave, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, we, we did have a little <laughs> bit of red wine, but thankfully not too much because a couple a couple of wins ago. Um, mm,
2: yes, mm. the, the, the mm. next morning wasn't great. Right. I, th- I tell you so again, and just talking about that because you probably saw it on the on the press as well. I mean. At the away end, you had the players that were coming out. So, Norgard came out. All the players were like, getting massive cheers as they were coming out. And, you know, we were trying to work this out. They were all sort of masked up. I think they got like a little goodie bag as they came out, sort of a little lunchbox, apparently, according to my daughter. And then they were sort of led out. And most of them got out as fine as security guard led them out because they had to get them to the, um, to the car park, which is down the Leighton Road. Not, it's not the Leyton Road, but the, that road that is just that leads up to the station. So, anyway, they did that. And when Ollie Watkins came out, that was madness because when Ollie came out, the crowd just went mad all of a sudden it just took to another level and the whole crowd went mad and he came out the sort of kind of sort of rushed to him towards him and he came out he was really happy then all of a sudden he thought, "Hold oh, on a second there this is kind of madness here so he kind of stopped and then he had to end up going back into the ground and i know that a few newspapers are sort of saying you know ollie Watkins in coronavirus breach and all this kind of stuff like i think it was in this daily star which i think was a was a load of nonsense because he yes he, he came he was he was he was masked up he still actually pulled himself away from the crowd i think what was more interesting was just the reaction to the crowd who was pretty sort of kind of mellow and happy but when they saw him it's almost like they've seen like a a pop superstar it was just absolute madness i mean the guy has gone up three or four five different levels and he really is a massive star and if you if you just checked out one of the tweets that we said today and if you listen to the podcast you heard it we said it two or three weeks ago Ollie Watkins playing at the European Championships next year. I mean, I said that a couple of weeks ago, and now apparently he's thirty-three to one on Sky Bet to play in the Euros, be in the Euro squad for next year. Whether or not it happens or not, we don't know. But the fact is, how many Brentford players still in red and white stripes do you know have been lauded to be in a England team that is going to go to the European Championships? That kind of thing just doesn't happen. Oh, I know the answer. Go on then. Is, is the answer none? Yeah, I think you might be, you, you might be, plus or minus one, you might be there, Dave. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that evening, obviously, like I said, ended up wonderfully for all us Brentford fans in a strange way. We'd have loved to be at Griffin Park. We'd love to be in the stadium. We'd love to be in the same pub, whatever like that, together. But we all celebrated it in our own little zones, in our own way. And I think that, you know, whatever happens at Wembley, whether or not we win or lose, we're going to look back at this season with a certain amount of strangeness but also we're going to listen, to look back at it and be, actually, that was really unique because normally what happens, we do things always the same way. When we go to Wembley, we get the same pub. When we go to matches, we all get the same pub. We do the same the same routine, but we've been forced to do a different routine this time. And, you know, if we look back on it, and especially if it works out positively at the end of the day, it we may actually look back at this on some sort of fondness that we actually changed what we were doing normally and it, fingers crossed, you know, to, to, to now... It's it's actually been a really good experience. Do
0: you hear what I'm saying, Lou? Yeah, I mean, look, look, yeah, we we took the Second World War, you know, as an opportunity to win the London War Cup. You know, we we take these global events in our strides. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, and I, I think it's, it was important for me that we that we won because this season we went out at home the FA Cup, we went out at home the League Cup. You know, um, and I didn't want that last game. The last game's being the kind of the downer of the league with Barnsley and it you know that we actually did win so it went you know when we're long dead and someone's flicking through a book uh, probably published by Dave in the, in the British library or something then uh, you know then they've got something to say hi oh, actually yeah yeah they did they went out on a hike despite all that we've just had confirmation the last football related werewolf was Michael Jackson in the thriller video but I don't know if that's for or against us playing Fulham on a full moon yes
2: yeah, so Lord Lucan he's talking about well, werewolves he's talking about Fulham he's talking about all sorts of nonsense listen we've we've discussed the Swansea game we've discussed Griffin Park we may reminisce about that even more maybe later in this podcast maybe in the next podcast maybe just whenever but we've got a big game coming up on Tuesday night we're going to be playing the Fulham our West London rivals, it's a massive game. And it's a game that, despite if it wasn't a playoff final, we still not want to lose. So let's have a chat about how we're going to deal with Fulham. So Tuesday night, Brentford, playoff final versus Fulham. And uh, we're going to Wembley. Well, like I said to you, not all the fans are going to Wembley because, well, fans aren't allowed in the stadium. Only 250 fans apparently allowed in this 90,000 stadium. It's a little bit bizarre that, if you think about it. You've got kind of, you know, maybe 100, 150 fans, you know, crammed into a little pub, and then you've got a massive 90,000 stadium, and they're letting 250 in, you know. They, surely they could have probably let in 5,000 or maybe 6,000 in that 90,000 stadium. But anyway, we won't go there because what's done's done. But there will be some Brentford fans in the Wembley area because... The Wembley, the Brentford area is absolutely packed. If you go to any of the pubs there, they're pretty much all sold out. You can't get a seat in a Brentford pub. You've got to book in advance. So there's a few pubs in the Wembley area who are actually sort of opening up to Brentford fans. So we're going to be taking over Wembley as well as Brentford. So if you do your little bit of research, you may find out the places that you can go to in the Wembley Manor. But, you know, for me, I'm going to take a little trip. I took a little trip down to Wembley. I took a little trip down with our chums from Fulhamish. I know they're the opposition, but I had to find out what was going on with Fulham, so we had a little little mosey down to Wembley and we had a little chat about the upcoming playoff final between Brentford and Fulham. So sitting here in the sunshine, I've got the Wembley Arc on my back here. I'm actually sitting on Wembley Way in a bar, having a beer, see 0 percent alcohol still, because it's, uh, it's still the tradition. Until, until, until it's all over, I'm thinking I need to stick to the tradition. And I'm too scared to actually have another beer after I had them, two beers after the, the Stoke and Barnsley game. And I'm sitting here with my chums from Fulhamish. I've got Sammy and I've got Jack from Fulhamish. How are you doing, lads?
3: Very good, Billy. Always nice to be on Besotted. And it's come down to it, hasn't it? It's come down to this. And we've, I've been on here plenty of times before and no other game comes close, really, does it?
2: no other game comes close. Jack, how
4: are you?
5: Yeah, it, was, it felt like written in the stars didn't it in the end Bill? It very came to it and you are like well yeah this was always going to happen and you know we've given you so much grief about it's been your cup final it's actually a cup final now isn't it we finally got to a cup final.
2: I would like to think it's actually your cup final
5: everyone's cup final Bill. Listen, <laughs> listen you're
2: trying to palm it over here because you know you've been giving us so much grief about cup final but you know that this is a big game for you and if anything I would say that of course we don't want to lose but I think that if it comes to a losing, a lose-off, it's probably worse if you lost to us than if we lost to you, don't you think? No, I
5: disagree. I think it's is a, <laughs> it's a 50-50. One team goes up and and look, we we can discuss it all and I'm sure we will come on to it later, but I actually don't think this Fulham team gets massively broken up if we lose this game. We'll lose a couple of players, I think, but I actually think a lot of these people would stay for another stint in the Championship. And I know that the model you've got going on across the way is... Um, means that players get replaced and and it means that people get improved and whatever but I actually think that another crack in the championship with Fulham if this was Fulham Swansea I'd be like really not fussed about losing this game I'm only fussed about losing it because it's you lot
2: (laughs) (laughs) listen Sammy I mean we we chat a lot we chat you know every few days as it is but we had a sort of a good old chat at the beginning of or when we came out of lockdown as well we were both on the TV on Sky together as well and it was a bit of a strange scenario because we both came out of lockdown at that stage having no idea what was going to go on? You know, there's a bit of bravado. Yeah, we're going to beat Fulham. You're a bit bravado. Yeah, we're going to beat Brentford. But we didn't really know. I mean, what were you expecting at that point? And looking back on it, is it a little bit bizarre? I don't know why,
3: but I thought I thought if Brentford and Fulham met, it was going to be in a semi-final. And I don't know why I thought that would be the case. I maybe just thought it was, surely you don't, surely we don't play Brentford in a final. Surely there's too much that can go wrong. Obviously, after that game... Well not after that game, but after the Leeds game that we lost that followed the match that we were defeated by you guys.
2: You lost 3-0, didn't you?
3: Lost 3-0 to Leeds. We honestly spoke about whether we'd make the playoffs at that point. And I'll never forget you sent me sent me a text saying uh
5: Who do you play if you come sick
3: Who do you play if you come sixth? Cheeky bastard.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was only asking the question. I was doing I was doing the research, you know, saying, you know, my yeah, like, due sure diligence. <laughs> <laughs> sure you were, Bill.
3: I, I can't believe it. And um, we we spoke about it on our podcast. I did a bit of research to try and find the last derby in a Championship playoff final. I couldn't find one since the nineties, which was Derby Leicester, which isn't it is East Midlands, but it's not a real fiery fake derby. It's not a fiery derby. This doesn't happen very often in the most expensive game of football in the world. So much on the on the line, and it, and it's us two together and. There's so much at stake. Of course, it's the football clubs and the trajectories and who which players stay, which players go. But from a, from a fan point of view, neither of us will live this down if we win. Neither of us. And we will never let you forget it if we win. And I can bet you guys will do the same if you do.
2: Jack, as well now, um, I spoke to you at the beginning of the season as well, and we got you on the podcast after that game where you'd beaten us 1-0 and to be fair it, was, it wasn't very nice of me to have got you on because you, you were not really not in the mood but to be fair you were very professional and you came on board but you were properly shell-shocked though weren't you and you, uh, even though you, you, I think you held up a bit of a brave face you kind of like just didn't kind of know where to go from there at that time
5: I think you know I spoke to you quite, uh, quite a lot of length about how that, mu- that game was decided by two different managerial approaches and how Thomas Frank change the game in his favour and Scott Parker just didn't have, at the time, the capacity to do so. Um, it felt after we lost those two games, and, and you know, Sammy's just touched on it, that we were like, all right, we might finish seventh here. And uh, the only thing I would say about this is, given the way that this season has panned out and, and with the lockdown and the pandemic and all of these things, it all, doesn't, it all feels a little bit unreal, I would suggest. Uh, you know, things don't necessarily feel normal, and they won't for a while yeah I would you know it's easy to forget that Fulham have half a stadium at the moment because it's being rebuilt I didn't think this year that we would be ready to go back up to the Premier League I still think that this squad would need a hell of a lot of improvement if it if it was to be promoted and so I think that at that point it was like right oh, we might finish 7th and everyone was like I'm kind of okay with that you know I'm kind of like right we might need another year to reset rebuild this whole thing and make it sing now that we're in this position things are very different right you know it's all well and good saying that if you're like I'm going to finish seventh and then you get to a playoff final you're not like oh it was fine because we thought we were going to finish seventh it doesn't change the fact that you're here and you need to win this 90 minute game of football to get to the Premier League and I think given the way that that game panned out and the fact that it was very tight, very even for 70 minutes and then you made the game work in your favour and, and credit to Thomas Frank for that because it was, it was good managerial decisions and, and Miliano came on and changed the game and, but I, I think it might be similar this time round and I hope that the, the first 70 minutes and you know, we hit the bar, we had a Mitra goal, allowed for offside we you know, had a couple of headers straight at David Rea there was capacity for them to win that game. I think this is going to be more even than maybe the stats might suggest.
2: We talked about different managerial thoughts and, 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 and you know insights into the game. I mean I've been listening to you guys over the season and <laughs> toing and froing about Scott Parker. Sometimes you love him, sometimes you hate him. What's your thoughts on Parker now? Parker keeps
3: improving during the season. He because he's so young, he's so raw. And he's still learning his crafts as a manager. It's it's funny. It, 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 he obviously doesn't listen to Fulhamish or, or get any glean anything from us. But just generally, we'll say something on the podcast one week where we'll be like, I don't know, why does Parker insist with playing such and such a player on the right wing? And next week he kind of he realizes his mistake and 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 changes that. Slav didn't do that. Ranieri didn't do that. And lots of managers before. Whereas Parker is clearly. L- working it out as he goes a-, a little bit but actually in the last seven games he just seems to have found a little bit of a style it's a bit more attritional than when they used to it's still a lot of possession but it's actually a way of seeing out games that's I've not seen from many teams let alone Fulham in, in a long time we seem to go one nil in the lead or have a one goal lead and we're just able to hold on and has built that and and actually One thing I have said, whilst I don't know if Parker's the right man for Fulham, I have said all season long, if we got promoted with Parker, I think he'd keep us in the Prem. And I don't think it would be exciting at all. I think it would be 1-0 wins over Burnley, really holding on. It wouldn't be pretty in the slightest. But actually, it might be a slightly more effective way of staying in the Prem than the last time we went up, where it was all swashbuckling. Slav tried to play Liverpool off the park, and clearly we didn't have the players to do that. If we don't win on Tuesday, I'd say Parker's future is in real jeopardy because I, th- I, th- I think the Khan's will have a big decision to make and he'll have had an objective and ultimately he'll have failed. So there's a lot on the line for Parker on Tuesday and I, in my heart of hearts, I think if we don't win on Tuesday, he's not in a job Come the end of the week,
2: you know. Coming, talking about the game though. I mean, you guys, we played each other. It was a tight game. We nicked it in the end, as you said a bit earlier, with a bit too late goals. Um, but you've got some proper, you know. You've got some players in your side, man. You know, there's no two ways about it. You know, um, obviously Mitro is a player that you know everyone knows about. You know, there's also Harrison Reed, who's a, a newer player as far as we're concerned, who's popped out, who people are a little bit worried about if he's on his game. He can cause us problems. Who out there? is going to cause the bees a few issues.
5: Well, I mean, you've, you've, you've touched on the big two, I think. Um, Niskan's Cabano has come in the last couple of games have been excellent, potentially injury worries there, but on the whole, I think there's something that to kind of to touch on here, and it's kind of a more general point, but, we, you know, these games are tight, and they're often decided by mistakes, or moments of madness, or moments of absolute individual brilliance. And... Fulham have players in the like in the ilk of kind of Anthony Nockart, Ivan Cavallero, and, and in the same way that you do with, with the likes of Sai Ben Rama and, and Mbuemo, who are, are capable of just moments where they're just like, How on earth have you done that? I think with us, like, we've been really frustrated with Cavallero, with, with Nockart in particular, because he kind of hasn't really brought that to the table as, as much as we kind of expected him to. But there's also the point that Nockart I think will start in the playoff final. Scott trusts him on the right wing, his work rate's exceptional. He is also capable of just cutting inside and bending one into the top bin from, from 30 yards. He hasn't done it enough <laughs> from a fuller perspective this season. He's quite selfish on the ball. He shoots occasionally when he shouldn't, etc, etc. But he's definitely capable of doing that. And I think it's, like, it's quite an interesting one. Because the, the players that are, you know, you would have looked at the start of the season. The Knockarts, the Cavaleros, Tom Kearney haven't delivered in the final third, perhaps, as much as we'd have expected to in the, in the start of the year. And, you know, I know people who had got bets on Fulham scoring 100 goals in the league this season. You know, they've been not only bitterly disappointed, but, but, but actually just like we haven't scored that many goals at all. Uh, but we have the players who have the capacity to do that. Even the likes of Harry Arter, who... You know, has scored three absolute screamers for Fulham this season. You're a bit like, oh, okay. At at some point, Harry Arter is capable of unleashing from 30 yards. And what I do think is that this is a game for big players. And uh, it's going to have to be be for for both sides. I am kind of of the opinion that we might see Anthony Knockart. Just cut inside and bend one top in. But I just have a thing about this. That he, he has been rubbish.
2: He does like to. He does like to shoot from a.
5: Uh, he does like to shoot from in the box, does he? No, hates shooting in the box. Hates passing to teammates. <laughs> 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 Loves shooting at other players. But yeah, it, it, that's what I would say. That Harrison Reed has been our best player. I think this season when he's been in the side, he's been an absolute dynamo in the middle. I know he, it's uh, in, in TWA he He's been compared to, to Ryan Woods, um, not just for his hair colour, but for his industry's work rate and, and the ability to recover the. Ball in midfield, he's so crucial to, to the way that Fulham operate because without him covering all that ground in the in the middle, we, we lose. You know, seventy percent of the earth is covered by water; the other thirty percent is covered by Harrison Reed on match days. Um, but it is one of those things where if if Harrison Reed's on form and he, he's winning, he's winning the ball back all over the park. Fulham click much better because we get the ball out wide, we get the ball into Mitrovic to create opportunities, and we start to, to look like a genuine attacking threat. I think if you look at the second half of that first against Cardiff, when Fulham started to dominate the ball and really sort of like play the, the cottage carousel, if you will, um, it, it is when Fulham do start to do that, we, we can really dominate games. I'm not sure it's going to go like that because we're, we're two possession-heavy sides who, who like to have the ball and like to try and dictate the tempo of a game in a way that Cardiff perhaps are not. But there are players all over this park who, in the right vein of form, can, can hurt Brentford in, in the same way that Brentford have... A lot of players, the front six in particular, who can hurt Fulham.
2: So the important question is now: Scary Carey, I mean, he asked like, when making a Victoria sponge, yes. do you have the cream above or below the jam?
3: Oh, see, that's such a hard question, Scary Carey. I would say you have the cream above the jam. I think, I think it's easier to spread the jam on first onto the sponge base and then to get the cream on top. Certainly if I have a scone, I'll say it in the posh way because I'm a Fulham fan, then I do have my cream above my jam. So I would definitely, if, if, if you're baking a cake um, for the playoff final, Kerry, I would definitely put jam on first, then cream on top. I don't know if Jack agrees, though. That's quite a controversial opinion to put jam below.
2: Indeed. And Laney's also asked, have you ordered your special rosé for the evening with your caterers, just in case? <laughs> Uh, this is actually one for Sammy
5: um, I, I'm more of a bubbles kind of geezer uh,
3: Not a rosé drinker myself I think if I was at home I might have a bottle of like porter six red wine or something in a, in a fancy glass to, to suit the occasion to suit the big day um, so I, I think a bottle of, of red and You know, for someone like Lainey, I think a bottle of Rioja would—he'd enjoy that. He's a Rioja man, isn't he?
2: And somebody also also asked because they said, you know, just in case it does go right for you on Tuesday night, I keep touching wood here as well. You know, and then you do go over the top on the rosé. Will you ask your butler to attend to the polo ponies on Wednesday morning, just in case?
3: Absolutely. I've already um, earmarked it in, actually. Um, the hydrangeas need watering as well Wednesday morning, so I've, I've made sure that someone um, is looking after that in the mansion, uh, just to make sure that, that everything's uh, prim and proper, and, and a, nice, a nice gentle avocado on toast, with maybe some sourdough bread, actually, uh, Wednesday morning in celebration
2: back to serious stuff and we talked about this a little bit a little bit <laughs> <laughs> we've got to a point now where yeah. please after like, football like, yeah. no no course, no but but listen <laughs> but we, we kind of we, we kind of touched on this does it mean more playing us in the playoff final than facing someone else absolutely 100% um, there,
5: there's, there's no doubt about it it's not and I said it earlier if this was Swansea uh, I actually just Obviously you still want to win games You want to be back in, in, in the Premier League But honestly, I think if it was Swansea And we lost the game, I'd be like, that's annoying Because it's you like, there's no chance you know, there's, I have no intention or no desire To anything but just absolutely
2: steamroll this game Sammy?
3: Yeah, I think that has been uh, Jack's basically nailed my thoughts there Lose against Swansea Annoying um, Be upset to lose Metro I think it's guaranteed to go in the summer If we, uh, if we don't go up But also, it really wouldn't be the end of the world for this Fulham team, but I just... I can't have you texting me every five minutes just saying, I remember that playoff win, Sammy, um, for the rest of my life until eternity, almost etched into my brain, an image of Billy the Bee sending me some video from the Globe, um, enjoying life way too much. So just to avoid that that WhatsApp conversation for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> look, I joke, of course it's big against you guys, and it's a local derby who wouldn't want to win a game against their local rivals in a playoff final Uh, It'd be something for us all to cherish as well. Yes, Villa was really special, but remember the time we beat Brentford. It would go down in folklore. So, of course, that's why we want to win on Wednesday. And it it adds to the game so much more.
2: So, question. Will you finally admit this is your cup final? It's a cup final, Bill.
3: It's a cup final.
2: Will you finally admit it's
3: your cup final? It's a cup final, Bill, (laughs) as I said. We've played in a cup final before. We'll play in a cup final again. It's a big game, but
2: it's... It's a cup
5: final as much as... It's cup listen, listen oh, yeah, to media right, trade, don't yeah, they? Uh, <laughs> it's our
2: cup final as much as it's your cup final. Oh, I see. <laughs> i tell you, I love you guys. You still cannot admit that it's shifted. Finally, it's shifted, but you just can't admit it, which is fine by me. Tell you something Fulham. I really hope you enjoy your cup final <laughs> on Tuesday night. I fucking hope
4: we do. But through, not Bill. too much. <laughs>
2: Listen, it's been great. I've got Savvy, I've got Jack from Fulhamish, I'm Billy the Bee here, and uh, it's been great. And hopefully, we'll enjoy ourselves on Tuesday and we'll enjoy it even better. Come on, you whites. Yeah, thanks,
5: Bill. Come, Come on, you, with whites. you
2: bees. And you can catch the full length interview with Besotted and Fulhamish recorded down Wembley Way, just outside Wembley Stadium, on Pride of West. London right now. So, Brentford versus Fulham, I understand that we're the home team on Tuesday night as well, which means we'll be wearing the red and white stripes. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because from what I can gather, other than Stoke City, who beat, who did they beat up? they beat brentford in 2002 in the playoff final other than that teams in red and white stripes have had a really bad time sheffield united i don't think they've won in like seven playoffs i think stoke city uh not stoke exeter city haven't won in about two or three playoffs as well brentford obviously haven't won in what three or whatever it is you know or if you want to give it the, the full eight if you want to go to semi-finals as well so uh the red and white stripes haven't uh, done particularly well however we're not harbouring on the past anymore because what's happened in the past has got nothing to do with now. We believe this is a clean slate and we shall move forward. And we're playing Fulham and I think they're equally as nervous about playing Brentford as we are equally nervous about going into another playoff final. Let's just have a look at Fulham and how they came into this final. They won their first leg 2-0 down at Cardiff. And actually, uh, I saw that game and I actually thought, oh, geez, Fulham seemed to be coming into a bit of form late into their the run. You know, kind of what we did earlier in the run and Fulham seemed to be coming into it late so I was a little bit worried about when I saw them they scored some great goals and they were playing some great football down at Cardiff however, the second leg, they played at Craven Cottage Cardiff came down there and they really took the game to Fulham and at the end of the day, it was actually a lot tighter than it probably should have been I just presumed Fulham were going to win I told all the Fulham chums, listen, we'll see you at Wembley they were like, yeah, we'll see you at Wembley okay, we still got a job to do but they were pretty confident as well and at the end of the day they won that game or they won the leg. You know, it was very, very tight. And they actually lost that first game, that, that, that game as well. It was two one, wasn't it? I mean, I know you guys, were you watching it?
4: Yeah, you know, we, we, we know that Fulham uh, on their day are you know a very, very strong team. Um they've they've been in pretty good form, apart from the game against us <clears throat> all the way through the playoffs. Um but you know, I, I I'll be honest with you, mate. I'm I'm not particularly overly worried about playing for them. I'm, I'm obviously very nervous and very worried about the magnitude of the match and you know um, what's at stake and you know knowing that it's all decided on the night and there's no second chances tonight you know sorry on Tuesday night it is kind of like make or it's a make or break couple of hours there's, there there isn't a second leg and there's there's no another 45 games to make it up so you know, I think it's, I think for me, it's really that my nerves are of the, you know, the, the fact that it is the biggest game in world football and the prize, you know, you could. You said 100, you said 120, you know, some of the press are saying 170 million it, it's worth and it's worth a lot more um, because even if you're, you stay there for one season, you get parachute payments. So it's, a, it's worth a quarter of a billion pounds to, to, to whoever goes up. So that's 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 transformatory, you know. It, it is gonna, it's gonna take our, our club to a completely different level and the fact that you know we could be opening a new stadium in, in the top flight is, uh, is the stuff that dreams are made of and it's Fulham that they're, the, they're the the people standing stand in our way. And so you know, just to recap what I said, you know, I'm not overly worried that it's Fulham and it's the it's the biggest West London derby of all time for, for Brentford. There, there has never been, you know, we've had big games in our past, but our past, you know, football wasn't as big as this. Um, the Premier League and the top flight wasn't as rich as this. So there's never, this is the biggest game, I think, in Brentford's history. And um, so that I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that. You know, I'm, I'm worried my nerves will be because of the magnitude of the game. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of relieved that it's this team and no other Brentford team. I, I, am, I am supremely confident in their ability. I'm not, I'm not going to get brash. I'm not going to, you know, big up us to the extent saying, you know, we're going to wipe the floor with them and blah. It's going to be a close, nervy game. But we know that if we, if we do what we're capable of doing, we will deserve the prize that comes at that end. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's the night of our football supporting lives, Bill.
1: Yeah, I, I I watched the game as well. I um, m- my overwhelming thought was that Cardiff looked like a horrifically difficult team to play against, and I thought it was quite difficult probably to even judge Fulham based on on Thursday evening. Um, I, you know, it, it to be honest, Fulham looked a bit like we did playing um, Stoke or or whatever. You know, it. it, it it just looked a difficult game for me there was one point where when Cardiff went 2-1 up I was starting to wonder if it was going to be Cardiff rather than Fulham and and, and this is exactly what I did there I thought I'm going to just check how big the Wembley pitch is compared to the Fulham pitch because I want to see if he's going to be able to throw them long throws and reach the Reach you know the danger area still because I was looking at those long throws thinking oh this looks like a nightmare to defend and, and maybe in some respects Fulham did us a favour by holding on you know um, I and and that's not me dissing Fulham it's just that I think against Fulham I, I, I think Fulham are in the top were in the top four teams in this league this season along with us West Brom and Leeds don't doubt that for a minute I think we will find it easier to play against Fulham than we could have potentially done against Cardiff. Um, and you know so i'm 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 looking forward to i'm looking forward to it like Laney says though it's such a big game isn't it you know you just it it's clearly the biggest it is the biggest game the the clubs ever been involved in i hope that to some extent thomas frank can shield the players from that and can basically get you know get them uh, they need to understand that 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 everybody's there supporting them and everything but it's just trying to sort of get a little bit of the pressure off for them so they can just go out there and play and that's what's really important
2: I have to admit, I was very, very worried that we were going to be playing Cardiff after having going down to Cardiff in February as well and seeing what they did against us. Again, they did the same long ball thing with us there as well. You know, we were constantly having to defend against that. And yet, OK, we've learned how to deal with that a lot more recently, but still, it's not really our game. And I just thought, tell you what, you know, this is the type of team which will get a lucky little ball in the area and a lucky bounce. And then they'll be able to poke it in the back of the net. And, you know, that just it, it becomes a bit of a lottery for us. And, um, you know, the way that Fulham play, listen, I'm touching wood here because, listen, they're a good team, but at least we understand the way that we play. And I just think that hopefully we'll be able to sort of control the game a little bit better because we play similar styles of football. So, I mean, I was actually quite pleased, or I was very pleased when Fulham managed to get a win. I was actually hoping that the Cardiff game actually did go to extra time and and probably penalties as well, just to long it out for Fulham so that they're going to completely and utterly knackered. But um, it didn't go quite that far, but they... <clears throat> but they came out of that match and they finished the match. And the interesting thing about it is that, listen, I mean, I know that is, you know, maybe they were just tired, but they came out of that game and they looked a bit dejected. You know, when um, Parker did his post-match conference, he was just, he, he, he wasn't elated that they kind of got through to the final. I mean, it was, the, you know, it was one of the biggest matches again in their modern history, a very important game. And he kind of just looked a bit, I don't know if it's with their performance I mean, he, he, he said that their performance wasn't the best. He said that, you know, there's a number of things that weren't the best. Maybe it was the fact that they'd picked up a couple of injuries or they'd definitely picked up Cabano, had, had an injury. I think he went off at half-time in that game. Mitrovic wasn't even on the bench. And I don't know if he was thinking to the future as to how he's going to be able to sort of mix his side up for the future. But he kind of didn't, he, he wasn't buzzing after that match,
1: which actually really surprised me. Yeah, you know, I think, I think he knew that they'd, they'd been in a proper, proper battle. Um, and I think they were shattered. I mean, because Cardiff, you know, to, you know, to some extent, Cardiff ra- ran them ragged. And I don't mean they ran them ragged by keeping the ball and passing it and, and all of that. I just mean physically Cardiff are, an incre- are a very strong team. You know, Neil Harris has just carried on, you know, the legacy there of, um, of, of being a strong physical team that that gets results. Um, and I think Fulham had a proper battle. Um, they, looked, they looked, like you said, they looked knackered. I, in a way, I w- I'd rather we were playing them you know, on Sunday rather than having to wait till Tuesday because it's going to give them five days to recover from that. Um, like you said, I was thinking extra time would be a good thing. Um, penalties, yep, the same. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think they were shattered. Body
4: language is such an important um, tell, isn't it? Um, and that there was like a trudging off of the pitch towards the cottage and you know you're right to point that you know Parker he looked he didn't he didn't look like he enjoyed it at all and and there was not even a there's not even there was not even a kind of like a (sighs) and relaxed relief and a big smile it was just like all too serious it was like almost like no fun in it whatsoever I'm not saying you know you need to be sort of like cracking jokes and you know and, and what have you but you Know maybe it's just not very charismatic, uh, but I you know I, I listened to that I and mean, then I you know I, I flipped that to the Thomas Frank interview. And you know, the ones that are slagging off Thomas Frank, you know, you, there was there's a there's a man that was like you know clearly happy to, to be part of a, a club and a team that was, was going to Wembley. And Park was kind of like either. You know, he was off for a trip to the dentist. Listen
2: and, and also if you listened, I mean Joby McAdoo, there's a few podcasts out there that actually worth a listen, I'd say to you, check out the totally Football League podcast for a start this week because Nathan Caton, Brentford fan, is on there and he's given his thoughts. Um he watched actually the, the he watched a match. He had a comedy geek somewhere i don't know where it was out there and he actually sort of kind of watched the match in the in the green room beforehand on his phone in the comedy gig and then he had to do the gig then he sort of kind of of listened to it on the way back on his way home as well i think as well so that's definitely worth a little listen to and also there's the sky podcast as well which is the sky efl podcast and they sort of concentrate on the, both the semi-finals and looking at the final as well. And also, if you listen to Joby McEnough on that podcast, I mean, he was the co-commentator. You know, one of the ex-players again was co-commentating. And he used to play with uh, Mark and Hector, I, I believe it's at Reading. They are both at Reading together, so he knows him quite well. And after the match, um, Joby was chatting to him and, and Hector said to him, man, we're really down. You know, they got to the playoff final, but they locked I mean, because they lost that match. He apparently said that the players were really down. But after that, and I just thought that as quite an interesting kind of body language thing again you know that the players how they and i don't know whether or not it's the way that they felt that they dealt with the game you know whether or not they they felt that they didn't they didn't play within themselves they didn't play as well as they're meant to but they came out of that game getting to the playoff panel but feeling really down about the whole thing so you know it's going to be up to parker to to pick them up and I know it's not for us to concentrate on on Fulham because it's all about Brentford and we've obviously got a big job to do for ourselves to make sure that we're focused and Thomas Frank gets them focused and gets them up and obviously Peter Gillam does his usual job of going in the dressing room and telling them how important it is for Brentford to beat Fulham you know all the history that we've had for all the years you know I made sure that we talked about that video that I did beforehand as well there was a big bees up Fulham down like you know we've got all the video footage for when we went to Craven Cottage and the, the besotted footage when we we're all in the away end sort of going mad and celebrating I made sure that was all in that video that went to the players before the match against Swansea so they understood how important when when Ben Rama and uh, and 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 Marcondes scored that goal at Craven Cottage earlier, and then I put the crowd from Craven Cottage celebrating that as well, how much it meant to us, and that's how important it is to the fans. So, but um, just coming back to this Fulham game, I mean, Fulham Cardiff, Fulham were good at stealing the ball from the opposition. So, with Cardiff, to be fair, were good at stealing the ball from the opposition. They created goal scoring opportunities from long shots and also from the flanks. Cardiff were good at creating opportunities compared to the amount of possession they had but they were very strong at finishing but Fulham gave away a lot of free kicks around the box which if they do that to us that could be quite beneficial to us Cardiff team they said at the time had no significant weaknesses so Cardiff really upped their game against Fulham I mean, you know coming off the back of that I know
1: it's a one-off game but without being overly confident
2: what are your thoughts,
1: the Allard? I I just think Fulham, Fulham playing Cardiff is not really an insight into how Fulham are going to play against us like I said I think Cardiff are, are somewhat unique of, of the stronger teams in the league um, so I think you can almost take that match out of it and I think it's probably better to go back and look at last time we played Fulham um, in terms of trying to learn how this game's going to play out um, so I, and, and you know and, and like I said Fulham are one of the top four sides in the league um, along with us and, and I think the game will, will probably play out that way I'm I'm sort of I'm am I confident I'm 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 confident like I always am against Fulham but I'm not going to write Fulham off based on the way they played against Cardiff um on on Thursday I, I think we're going to see a different Fulham in the playoff
4: I think we're going to see a different Brentford as well you know I think we I think we um gonna be very well prepared um I think we're going to push Fulham very very hard I think we're going to come out full of energy and we're going to close them down Um, And we're we're the ones that are hopefully going to get more, more possession. I think we, what we did, what what we did learn from the game at Craven Cottage, the first game back after, you know, after lockdown ended, was, was the fact that they did have quite a lot of the ball and they did have quite a lot of chances. You know, we, we, we did have a couple of lucky escapes then, but they've got the players to cause problems. You know, the, the biggest factor in this, you know, I know he's vastly overweight and he's not. Been showing the same pace, but he's he's able to find the back of the net. he's Alexander Mit- Mitrovic? Without him, um, without Cabano, um, it's, it's it's a it's a slightly weaker uh, Fulham, Fulham team. That's not to say they've not got you know uh, threats from all over the other place. Kamara, um, he's you know is a very very difficult player to defend against. He'll shoot from distance. He's full of power and pace. You know Bobby Reed is another player. Um, you know Tom Kearney with his with his shooting. Um, Tom Kearney spoke very very well after the game. Actually, that was, well, was one player I was really impressed with. A lot of humour, a lot of uh, you know he, he gave he gave Brentford a lot of props, which you know I thought that was that was fair enough. I think they, I think Fulham have got more of a respect for us now, um, and, I, and I don't think that either hurts or hinders us. You know, it, you know I th- I think that they just they're not into the West London Derby anywhere near as much as we are and they're never going to be you know I don't think um, and that that works in our favor if we if we can use that as you know to give us another two three five percent to our game then that can only help they're, they're, they'll tip their hats to us and they know we're a good team they're not going to necessarily sort of fear fear the, the blood and thunder of a, of a, of a local derby. Um, and I, I think you know they'll pay
1: the price. Hopefully, I, I think another lockdown game that might be worth looking back on, for where Fulham were involved in, was the one against West Brom. When, when being real, being realistic, Fulham needed to win that. They they still had automatic promotion potentially. They needed to beat West Brom. I know we were all willing them on to, you know, to beat West Brom, um, and that probably made us view the game slightly different. But. But even talking to some Fulham fans around that game, they talked about what do they call it? Parkable, when it's basically passing the ball around in their own area and sorry, their own half, and not going for the throat. Um, and and maybe there's something again to be learned from that. You, you would think that um, we're not a million miles away from West Brom in terms of the of, of the way that. Um, that that we play um because like you know West Brom are certainly far closer to us than Cardiff are so maybe if Fulham come out like that that's going to work in our favor as well maybe you know they looked almost too scared to try and go out and win that game and maybe it will be the same on um on Tuesday.
2: It's interesting I mean you're pulling this up the stats on this you know the Fulham the West Brom versus Fulham I mean West Brom 1.43 Um, They got 1.43 XG, Fulham got 0.43. They created very, very little. They had a couple of of really sort of kind of, you know, very small chances in the box. But other than that, they didn't really create that much in that game. Interestingly, this Cardiff game, Fulham at home had 1.18 XG. They had sort of, you know, lots, about five or six or seven sort of kind of sort of, you know, probably less than 10% opportunities within the box, Um, whereas Cardiff had probably at least three massive opportunities in the box in the six yard box as well had some great opportunities a number of lesser opportunities as well in the box and their xg was 1.89 so cardiff really got under the skin of fulham and actually created a number of opportunities a number of very good opportunities and they scored two goals and you know if you look at the stats they it could have gone either way they could have possibly got another one which is three or you know it could have gone down to one but you know easily they could have actually won that match and i think maybe that is why Fulham have got a little bit nervous because they felt that, you know, a team has actually got under their skin and they probably didn't know how to deal with it. So, again, I hear what you're saying, the Allard. It's going to be about us, how we cope with Fulham and their keep ball and how we, um, I suppose, how we, you know, if they keep the ball in their own half for 90 minutes, they're not going to win the game. But it's kind of how we prevent them from kind of making them through balls, you know, getting it through, getting in on goal. And also what we do with the ball, when we actually get it, because as we know, we are very, very fast in the break. And when you look at that goal, the first goal that we scored against Swansea, it was Raya, goalkeeper, boom, out to Jensen, boom, out to Watkins, boom, back of the net. It was, was it 14 seconds from one end to the other? So that is the kind of football that we play. And if we see more of that, I think it's going to be very, very exciting for us. And as you said as well, I think that, you know, a lot of people are saying that they believe because the crowds aren't there, so it's going to be much more exciting because the crowds aren't actually in the stadium, so the pressure may be not as much as it has been for previous playoff finals, because, you know, when you've got 90,000 fans inside there, it makes make it a little bit cagey. They think that this actually may be one of the most open playoff finals of the year, so it actually could be very exciting.
4: Yeah, I can't wait. As a game of football, um, it's, it's all that you could ever wish for. You know, you, you, you hope that, you know, after, after 90 minutes, Brentford have made it easy for us and they've won 3-0. Um, it's not going to be like that, I don't think. Um, it, it, it could be, but I, I, you know, I think, you know, I, I flippantly put on beside Twitter, you know, how your nerves going to be when it goes to penalties against Fulham at the end of extra time, and that's what we kind of got to brace ourselves for. That's 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 what could happen. This is what this game's about, you know, the rolling the rolling over and uh, and tipping the belly of some of the opposition that we've done. You know, there's too much at stake. The, the pressure um, is, is too much for some players to be able to keep on top of necessarily for the whole match. Um, we, we might get a nervy. If, we, if it's going our way, it might get nervy towards the end. If it's not going our way, we might be able to step it up. You know, as I said, it's the biggest game in Brentford's history. And I just hope that I'm alive for us to win the, the, the game and to see what happens next. It's been... An incredible adventure in the last 10 years. Um, you know it's been a it's been a roller coaster at times, but you know, being honest, our club's been transformed. We used to watch these games that involved other clubs and you never ever really imagined, not in your heart of hearts, that your own club Brentford would be part of this biggest game in world football. And we are 90 minutes plus whatever could happen afterwards away from the promised land. It is a ridiculously massive match and I actually can't wait. It's a pleasure to be involved in this game. But win or lose, um, I think we need to just take the result with the new Brentford way. You know, be gracious in victory and or defeat because even if it doesn't happen, this club are not going to go anywhere fast we'll be back where this is this is something that we'll get used to if it doesn't happen if it does happen i think we'll do well in the prem so there's a lot of stake, and there's a lot to look forward to and there's a lot to enjoy and bring it on tuesday to bring it on
1: dave is absolutely spot on what we've got to remember now is the season is coming down to 90 minutes you know and and 90 minutes relatively over the length of a season is a small amount of time I'm confident I'm really confident that we're gonna we are gonna go out there and we're gonna we're gonna do it but if if like Dave says it doesn't come off I'm still gonna say what a great season and you know we just need to put things a little bit into perspective because when the season comes down to 90 minutes it might even come down to a uh, Five minutes at the end, if it cut, if it goes to penalties, God help us. You know, you just have to sort of think about everything else and what an amazing sort of season this has been. Or a dodgy referee, even. Don't,
2: Bill. Don't. Dodgy don't, referees. Don't, don't. <laughs> In our favour, for once, as I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. OK. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. <laughs> That's right. We've all, you know, we've all had our change of routines coming into this match. This is the the biggest match. For some of our lifetimes as Brentwood fans, I'm just wondering, you know, just briefly, you guys, as we're coming into these next few days, what is going to be your sort of kind of regime, your superstition, how you're going to be going into it and what you're going to be looking at on match day?
4: To be honest, my regime's changed now. The gyms have opened. I'm, um, I'm doing like circuits and like personal trainer every morning at the moment. And that is good for my mojo. I am um, getting all my nerves my pent-up aggression and everything out of that i'm ridiculously busy work-wise um and i'm just trying to just keep focused on just the excitement of it rather than the the kind of getting bogged down with the pressure of it that might change um you know when it comes as 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 tuesday night approaches is you know it goes without without saying it's going to be a nerve-wracking day so um you know we're just trying to keep on top of it
2: but tuesday night i mean is it same underwear same shirt tuesday
4: and... night everyone everyone's everyone's around ash vegas again no 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 rules no no dressing up as mexicans no blooming vuvuzelas no brentford shirts unless you want to wear one no not not forcing anyone to do anything they don't want because th- that's been done in the past and that actually makes it worse when it doesn't happen let everyone just do whatever they want to do and then drink whatever they want to drink and then watch the game Sit sitting down pacing do whatever they want all of those pre, you know superstitions gone now it's literally you know
2: enjoy it
1: hey dave we are going to do pre-game kebabs again though aren't we
2: yes and 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 also you have changed your underwear since you know since the last couple of games haven't you i don't wear underwear bill you know that well, I don't actually, but thanks for telling me. The yeah, Lard. I mean, I know that you're in the Ash Bagels tip, but you know, just coming into these next few days, what is your sort of what is your routine? What is your superstitions?
1: Um, I, no real superstitions. Um, I I found more success in this run not wearing club colours um, than when I have worn them. So I'll be I won't be wearing club colours for sure on Tuesday. That, that's probably my only real superstition. Um, and um, I'll just be turning up at ladies with a load of beer, which is, you know, and I'll probably a bottle of red wine tucked away as well. And that's exactly what we've been doing. Um, so we'll just carry on with that. We'll, we'll stick with that. Um, there'll be, there'll be kebabs before and there'll be cheese after. That's
2: right. And for me, I, 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 I've tried everything and it's, none of it seems to have worked. You know what I'm saying? I bought my Brentford mat to the pub with me and that didn't work. I bought my flag to the pub with me. It didn't work. I've worn colours. I've worn colours. I was even going to wear the, the home shirt, the away shirt, none of it has worked on, on, on a uniformity. So I think I need to just sit back and chill out and just relax and I'm going to get down to, to the globe. I'll be doing, as laney has been doing as well, with the gym's been back, it's been really brilliant, actually, you know, getting up seven o'clock in the morning and uh, and just doing like an hour inside the gym. And again, it really does refocus you and it gives you time to think and it is, you know, it just gives you time to relax. So that's been good for me. So I'll be doing that in and up to Tuesday. Of course, Tuesday's going to be very, very nerve wracking, uh, listen, I'm at the stage of thinking, listen, we've done fantastically well. We came into this with no real expectation. We have now come to the playoff final. We think the pressure's on us. The f- pressure's on Fulham as well. And, and, and then probably a little bit more because they've got more money in their squad and there's more pressure for them to go up. So we need to go out and do what we're going to do. And what I do is a heart back to Thomas Frank. It was at the beginning of lockdown, we were saying how focused he got the team. He got them thinking about just the next game. They weren't so every time they asked them about how do you think you're going to get on the end of the the lockdown, they're like, No, we're thinking about the next game and that focus that they've got. And I think that if he can get them back into that whole just focusing back on one one game and not worrying about anything else, I think that you know we can really, really have this. So for me, I'm going to be getting down the globe there early. I think we we might have a big player doing a bit of a G up as well. You know, get down there early for a little bit of a little bit of a knees up. I haven't been drinking for most of the time. I just switched to having a few beers for for a couple of the Globe sessions. We lost both those games, so I've gone back to not drinking for the last few, and it's done all right, so I'll be having no beers during the game. But if they do win, I might treat myself to a, a swift half, one or two. So anyway, but listen, guys, this is the besotted Pride of West London playoff final podcast. I'm here with a smile on my face because I know that Brentford are going to Wembley. We're not going to Wembley, but we're going to be in our local zones, enjoying and watching our team and cheering them on. And fingers crossed, after you hear our next podcast, we're going to say we really do hope, we don't expect, we just hope that Brentford will be in the Premier League. And uh, I've never really said that before.
4: Actually, I wish you hadn't, to be honest with you. you. Can you just take that back?
2: Uh, I said I said to you, I said
4: I Can you just, just 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 say enjoy the game, please. Just don't, 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 don't say no word,
2: uh, Bill. Uh, uh, lady's scared, <laughs> he's a bit scared, but listen, we're all going to enjoy ourselves. We're not losing, like I said to you, we're on the booze, and we're going to enjoy ourselves on Tuesday night as we say. Come,
0: come on, on you boys.
1: Oh, <laughs> please, come on, Come on. <laughs>
0: by fans.